Romans chapter 8, Paul talking, he's talking about the Christian. He's talking about you and I. He's talking about the believers that are in Rome. And uh, he's, he's talking about the benefit that we have. He's talking about um, who it is that we are in Christ. He, he, uh, the last time that I taught, which was I don't even know how many weeks ago, um, it was uh, on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It said, and we know, Paul writing, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You remember as we talked about that, um, that's a verse that oftentimes is being used and it, it's thrown around a whole lot more uh, in, in uh, the worldly circles. Hey, all things work together for good, bro. You know, and hey, you know, bad things are happening in someone's life, and 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 you know, someone comes along and says, hey, hey, all things work together for good. You know that the good book says that. Well, yeah, the good book does say that. The Bible is the good book. Yes, it is. But here's the thing: Does the Bible say what it is that you're saying? You know, maybe this life, this guy is living a life apart from Christ. He doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe the person that this tragedy has happened to or this issue has happened to is not a follower of Christ. And, and, and here, two unbelievers are trying to give each other an encouragement and exhortation in the midst of that. Not that I think that there's anything wrong with giving someone encouragement. But taking the word of God and using the word of God as encouragement when you're not a believer, especially in the context of this passage, is very dangerous because here's the situation. If you're not a believer and you have another believer coming to you and says, hey, the problems that you're going through in your life right now, just know this, man, all things work together for good, bro. You know that. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, it actually promises something opposite. It's not all things work together for good for you. If you're not a believer, all things are not promised to go good for you. That's not what this verse says. It says all things work together for good to those who are the called. Those who who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's saying if you love God and you're called according to God's purpose, you're a Christian and you're following him, then all things that are going on in your life will work together for good. And so there's two things that we can take out of that. If you're a non-believer here, don't ever take encouragement with that. Just know this, that's not a good thing for you because all things aren't working together for good. There might be some other bad things that are going to be poured down on top of this, hopefully in order for you to bow your knee to Christ. And really in the end, if, if we look at a, maybe a tragic life that in the end someone comes and bows their knee to Christ in the very last hour of their life, in the very last moment of their life, I think in heaven if we were to go and ask that person, would you do it all again? Would you allow, would you allow all these tragedies, all these trials, all these tribulations to encounter you in your life? Would you do it all over again? And I believe in heaven that person would say to you and I, would say, if it means that I'm going to be where I am here today in heaven with God, of course, hands down, I'd do it all over again. I just wish that I wouldn't have been so hard-headed and had to endure so many things in order to bow my knees to Christ. I wish I would have had opportunity to actually minister for the Lord in my life. There's not One of the things that I, I, I hardly ever hear from a believer that's been with the Lord for any amount of time, I, I very rarely ever hear someone say, man, I wish, really wish I would have come to know the Lord a lot later in life than I did. I mean, I came to know the Lord when I was a lot younger, and I, man, I just wish I would have been in my 30s or 40s, you know, before I came to know the Lord. 
It's always the opposite. It's the person that's been walking with the Lord for some time or, or a person that's been walking with the Lord for a short time. Maybe they're in their 30s and their 40s and they, they say to you, man, all the time that I wasted, man, I wish I would have come to know the Lord much earlier in my life. So much heartache I would have just been saved of and been, been relieved of if I would have just followed the Lord, if I would have just followed him earlier. And so um, all things don't work together for good to just everyone, haphazardly. They work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to their purpose. And so the first point is, is that for those who aren't believers, it's not going to work good for your life. It doesn't, you're not promised good to come out of it. But the second promise is something that can give you and I as believers, if you're a believer in here, it can give you confidence that no matter what you're going through in life, know this, God knows what you're going through in life and there is a, there is a good that's going to come out of this. And you might look back at it and you might look at your present circumstances and go, my goodness, how can anything good come out of this? Know this, the Bible promises you, God promises you something will good, something good will come out of this. Lord, please let it come quick. That's okay. That's a good prayer. That's an all right prayer. That's an honest prayer. Lord, may it come quick. May I see what it is that you need me to see. And may this trial, may this tribulation, may this difficulty in my life pass quickly. Let the good come. Let me see the good. But your promise that no matter what, all things are going to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. But then he goes on, he says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Well, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't even spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so I'm not going to go any farther than that, and there's no way I'm going to be able to get through all this. This is like the, like the theological train wreck, you know, uh, that, that we struggle with here in the Christian faith. Um, those of you who have struggled in it and you've, you've, you've fought through this and you've, you've been a part of it and you've been a part of this kind of a struggle in your conversations, in a theological discussion, you know, on whether, you know, well, it looks like here that God's the one who, who saw, he, he foreknew, he, he uh, called, he predestined, he, uh, he, he predestined, he called, and then he justified, and then he glorified. So it's all God. God's the one who chooses everyone to go to heaven. And I agree with that. However, the inference that many will take here with this verse is that, well, if God is the one who did it all, then the inference is, is that God also called others to go to hell. And now we got problems. That's when I begin to get into a problem. So God chose some to go to heaven, but others to go to hell. 
I, that's the one thing it doesn't say in scriptures that God chose some to go to heaven, but others to go to hell. And, and there's the theological debate. And, it, it, and if you want to kind of coin the, the, the phrase in there, it's a Calvinism versus Arminianism debate. And I have no time to get into that whole discussion here. But can I just say this? Because this is a discussion that has been argued for 1,500 years. It's, it's, it's an argument that if you're on either side and you're, you're passionate about either one of those sides, here's the thing. You spend your whole life arguing your side and debating your side. And, and sadly, there are many, many men and many, many women who espouse one of these views that forfeit what God's called us to do in life to constantly go out and debate their point. And they get into theological debates and theological arguments to a point where they begin to, 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 to get mad and angry with Christians. Well, you're not you know, interpreting the Bible correct. This is what it says. It says here. And so if it says that he predestined and called and foreknew and justified and glorified, well, then that's how it is because that's what the Bible says. I know, but then the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish but come, but, but come to repentance. Figure that one out. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Well, in his sovereignty, he can have that feeling, but he knows that there are... And then they start trying to explain away Scripture. John 3.16 is the most famous verse, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Right? Did you hear something in that... In that verse that strikes a chord to the one that says God is the only one who does the choosing, which I totally believe. <laughs> God chooses. God predestined you to be called. He foreknew. He predestined. He called. He justified and he glorified you. In fact, as Paul is using these terms... He's using them in past tense terms. And so he's saying he predestined you and then he called you. And then he justified you, which you know what justified means, right? Justified means and it's an easy little, you know, uh, little trick you can, not trick, but a little uh, ditty you can remind yourself of what justified means. When someone says you're justified, that would be, if you kind of break it down into, uh, you know, into you break the word out, you go, just as if I'd never done it. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never turned my back on God. Just as if I were not a sinner, you see. Justified means that in God's eyes, you're justified, just as if you'd never sinned. And so Paul uses a past tense term, you're justified. But then he also uses another term called glorified. Glorified means, and we were just talking about this today, John uh, and Caldwell and I were talking about, you know, hey, are we going to recognize people in heaven when we're there in heaven? Am I going to recognize my grandpa? Am I going to recognize people? Are they going to, what kind of bodies are they going to have? And I don't have time to get into that discussion. But what we did talk about is that in heaven, we're going to have glorified bodies. We're not going to take this up. I am thankful. I'm going <laughs> to... I am thankful. I am going to be cut and I'm going to have a full range of hair. I mean, just, you're going to think I'm a lion in heaven. I have hair, you know? Here, here's the thing. 
uh, I'm glad. Thank the Lord that I don't, this, this isn't going to inherit kingdom and, you know, the kingdom of heaven. You know, flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. In heaven, we are going to know as we're known. We're going to be there with glorified bodies. You know, as I was sharing with him today, you know, my wife uh, and I, we lost two babies uh, prematurely, you know, in pregnancy. I believe they're in heaven. I don't even know what they look like. But someday I'm going to see them and go, wow, you were my kids. I never saw you. Have you ever thought about that? you ever thought about that? I... I'll be honest with you, I haven't really thought much about it. And then when I start talking about it, you sit there and you kind of get tears in your eyes and you go, wow, I have some kids in heaven already waiting for me. That's wild. They're already, you know, prepping out the place for me, man. You know, but in heaven, you know, he goes, well, you know, what about my wife, you know, Yeneth and I? Well, you're going to be used to married to Yeneth. Sorry. You know, you are, there's no marriage. You're giving in marriage in heaven. I mean, I'm going to be cruising down streets gold, man. We're going to be going walking down and I'm going to see Lynette and go, dude, we used to be married. You remember that? It's going to be great. She's like, she's like, she's like, she's like, it can't come soon enough. Listen, listen, it's not, <laughs> it's not about being married in heaven. We're going to know as we're known. We're going to see and know each other on a different plane. Well, how are we going to know? You know, how? He asked me the question How are you going to know what your kids look like? How are you going to know some of these people that you don't even know? I don't know. I know one thing. The Bible does talk about how Peter, James, and John, you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, they went with Jesus and they were hanging. Jesus went up to the hill and they were there. And all of a sudden, Peter goes, Wow, look at that. Wow, there's Moses and there's Elijah. Now, understand, they're about 2,000 years removed from ever seeing. I mean, do you know anybody and what they looked like 2,000 years ago? I don't. Even with our technology that we have here today, we don't know. But Peter, when Jesus came back down, he goes, Well, Lord, that was really, really awesome, man. Moses and Elijah and you, let's build three tabernacles. That was awesome. Well, how did Peter know that that was Elijah? And how did he know that that was Moses? I believe that they were given a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven. Gang, heaven's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. God doesn't want anybody to not go there. And so when we get into this argument, and I've got to finish, here's the thing. God, God sees you already as a glorified body there in heaven, a glorified person already there in heaven. That's what, that's what Paul says. You were predestined, you were called, you were justified as if, as if you've never sinned. And right now, God already sees you in heaven. Who you're going to be and what you're going to be, how you're going to look, he already has your body going. Here's the thing, he already knows. He already sees you in the past tense there. And I think that's awesome. But see, the Calvinists would say, yep, that's me. That's me, that's me, that's me. But there are others that aren't going to go there. Well, I I understand. There are people that are going to go to hell. It's it's very plainly spoken of in Scripture. The problem is, is that they'll take this verse and they'll say, this is the only way that it can be interpreted. God chose you and me, but God chose others for hell. And I say that's, according to John 3.16, it says God so loved the world. Not that he, he loved the called, not that he, called, he loved the chosen, he loved the, what, world, that he gave his only begotten son, that, what, the only the called, no, but whosoever would believe in him, 
should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 10, doesn't he? He says, listen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Are you a whosoever? I remember seeing a person with a button on saying, I'm a whosoever. In fact, there's a band that goes around playing. Raul Reese's kid is one of them. You know, he's in the whosoevers. The name of their band is called the whosoevers. Why do you call yourself the whosoevers? Because, man, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever called on the name of the Lord. I am saved, man. Guy's got hair down to here. He's like all, you know, tatted out and everything. But they're outreaching people that on the streets. I think I couldn't do that. Number one, I couldn't grow my hair that long. I'm afraid of needles. No tats on this guy. Here's the thing. God sees you already as glorified. God, God wants to take people to heaven. And so the, the, the Calvinist would sit here and say, well, there are those that are, you know, either you're called or you're not. Well, taken to the extreme that it will go if you espouse completely and 100% only that position without giving any uh, uh, leniency towards the whosoever where man has got to make a decision to follow Christ also. When you give no, no leniency to this, no uh, quarter to this, no opportunity that man also has a responsibility to call upon the name of the Lord, which so clearly is spoken out in Scripture. Does man choose to go to heaven? I'm going to say 100% yes. You must call upon the name of the Lord. You must confess of your sins. You must call out to Christ. You must believe that Christ died for your sins in order to go to heaven. Agreed? I mean, that's, that's what the Bible says. Well, yeah, the Calvinists will say, well, yeah, but you were chosen to do that. Okay. But taken to a very, very unhealthy extreme and an unhealthy conclusion, a Calvinist would, would come to a place where they would say, if there are some that are chosen for heaven and some for, that are chosen for hell, don't give altar calls. Don't, don't give people an opportunity to come to Christ because you might be giving them a false hope. I'm going, that's blasphemous. That's antichrist at its core. What you're saying is don't do what Jesus said. Jesus said in the great command, go into all the world and preach the what? Good news, the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And so, so Jesus, his own, his own words are, go out and evangelize. And taken to the extreme of, a, of a, a, a Calvinist that would be so hyper in their views is that I don't want to evangelize because I don't want to give somebody the wrong impression that they're going to go to heaven at the end of their life because God may have chosen them to go to hell. I love messing with Calvinists like that. Because they say, well, maybe you're going to go to hell. Maybe you aren't chosen. Maybe you're deluded. Maybe you're living your whole life and you're going to go to hell at the end of the road and you think you're going to go to heaven, but you don't have any assurance because maybe God didn't choose you and you are just deluding yourself to think that you're actually saved and you're going to go to heaven and you've just wasted your life and you could have been doing a whole lot of raunchy stuff. (laughs) No, because I'm saved. What? Do you have a burning in your bosom? What? No, I do what the Lord said, what the Bible says. Well, what happens to a person who, who I reach and, and talk to the Lord about the Lord to them and they accept Christ and they start doing? Well, then I guess they're, they're, then they must be chosen also. 
Are you the one that is picking up the wheat from the, or the, the, the tares from the wheat? Stop doing that. Just get out there and serve Jesus. Let's get away from the stupid theological arguments of whether God chose or whether man chooses. Does God choose? I 100% believe he does. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. From the foundations of the world, I chose you. I have no problem with that. But then God comes over here, Jesus comes over here and he says, hey, whosoever wants to come to me, may come. I came to die on a cross for everyone. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, this is, I want to call upon the name of the Lord. So if you ever want to know whether or not you're of the called, the Calvinist would say, just call upon the name of the Lord and you are. The thing is, is that when you become to major in the minors, you lose the essence of the gospel. And I don't know how it's man's responsibility and God's sovereignty and how they meet. Because here's the thing. They're both parallel lines on this side of eternity. Right? If God is the one that foreknew, he predestined, he called. If he's the one that from the foundations of the world called you, what responsibility do you have to actually choose him if he's the one that chose you from the foundation of the world? Why is he even asking me to, 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 to call out to him? If he already made the, the decision, why am I asked to do this? If I have no choice in the matter, what am I doing? And yet he does call us to do that. And if you don't do this, then you're lost. Well, then maybe I wasn't chosen. So how does that meet? Well, here's the thing. That's the, that's the point. There are two parallel lines that will never meet. God called... Yes, he predestined. He saw you from the foundations of the world. But your responsibility is to respond to that call. If you don't respond to that call, you're lost. Well then, and you can try to figure out in your head all along, well then maybe I wasn't called. It's like a picture of, of a, uh, and I, I had a picture and I just forgot to put it up today. I got so caught up in other things that I was doing, I forgot to put it up. But if I had a triangle up here on the board, and this isn't my illustration. It's a fellow by the name, I think, of Hugh Ross that actually put this thing out, but uh, I don't agree with everything he says, but it, this illustration works well. Um, if I had a, a triangular, a, a triangle on this board right here, I said, no, you can't do anything to that thing. But make those three rigid lines a circle. Well, you would sit there, a Calvinist would sit there and say, well, it can't. It can't. Because it's a triangle. There's nothing you can do to this triangle to make it a circle. It's impossible. You can't make a triangle a circle. You can't put a bunch of triangles together to make a circle. It just isn't going to work. Because equal sides are always going to have, they're, they're always going to have edges. There's never going to be a circle. You're never going to make a circle out of it. And it's the same kind of a thing when it comes to, you know, if God called, then that's the way it is. It's this, this, this ideology that says only God chooses. Man doesn't choose God, only God chooses, which I agree. But man also has to choose, which I also agree. Am I fickle? Man, I don't know. I don't think I am. I'm a Calminianist, my wife says. That's right. Here's the thing. There are two parallel lines that will never meet on earth, but in heaven, they're going to intersect somehow, and we're going to go... Oh, okay, that makes sense. 
And, and so if we have that triangle on the board and you go, well, how do I make that triangle a circle? You can't until you look at it from a different angle. And if you take it and you move it into a different dimension, taking it from a 2D dimension to a 3D dimension, and all of a sudden you come up and you move to a different angle, all of a sudden you see a cone. Now a cone is a triangle. Look straight on. It's a triangle. I just did a rectangle, sorry. A triangle, right? But looked at a different view, a cone is no longer just a triangle. A cone is a circle, right? But it's a triangle. No, it's a circle. It's a triangle. It's a circle. It just depends on where you're looking. It's God's choice. That's man's responsibility. It's God's choice. It's man's responsibility. Hey, just let's just do what the Bible says. Let's not get caught up in this major argument that literally men have spent years of their, they've wasted their whole life to argue this point. On this side and on this side. Just stop it. Let's just go out and reach the world for Christ. That's what the world needs. It needs people that are going to just be willing to do what God's called them to do. Go out there and reach the Lord, the the lost in the world for the Lord. That makes sense? Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. I know we took an extra 15 minutes here today. Um, that's about the fastest I can go through a Calvinist Arminianist argument, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that it made sense. I pray that as we looked at this passage today, that even as I was discussing this, that every single person with an earshot of these words that came from this pulpit today, they asked themselves, well, wait a minute. Am I, of the, am I of the called? Did God choose me? More importantly, did I choose God back? Have I accepted that call? Have I become a Christian as he so desires me to become? Have I become his child? Did I call upon his name? Have I confessed my sin? Have I recognized my sin before him? Have I, have, rec- have I recognized that he bore my sin on the cross? Have I recognized that without him, I would be lost for eternity in hell? Have I confessed that God has my best interest at heart? It's called heaven. And he paved a way for me to get there. Have I acknowledged that? And I pray if everyone with an earshot of this message has truly thought about what's been said here today. That the theological discussion is not what died for me. It's who the theological discussion is talking about. It's talking about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Those Others can argue until they're blue in the face, but I don't want to be the arguer. I want to just follow Jesus. I just, I just want to, I want to know that I'm called because I've chosen him. Then I'll know I'm called. Help me not to make walking with you, Lord, more complicated than what it ever needs to be. You made it simple. Help me to remain pliable and usable for you. Help me to reach the world, not with difficult arguments, not with debates, but Lord, help me to just be you to the people. 
Help me to show the people who you are and what you've done in my life. You've taken that which was lost and you found it and you made it new and you gave me a new home. It's called heaven. Help me to be purposeful and useful for you in my remaining days that I have here on this earth. Help me to love you. Help me to follow you. Help me to know what's right. Help me to know what's wrong. Help me to know what's beneficial and what is detrimental to me. Lord, help me to be a man. Help me to be a woman. Help me to be a child that follows you all the rest of my days. Serving you. Not getting caught up in arguments, but simply waking up and saying, today, Lord, is your day. What will you have me to do? I want to follow you. Show me the way. Show me the path. I take you like a child. I accept you with a childlike faith. I have to understand all the arguments. I just want to follow you. And I believe, Lord, that's the man and that's the woman and that's the child that you'll use in this world to radically affect your kingdom, to save many people alive that once we're going to hell. Thank you, God, for saving our lives in this room with an earshot of this message, Lord, that we've responded to you. Thank you, God, for saving our lives. For those that are hearing this that are not saved, Lord, help them to bow their knee to you right now, wherever they are. Help them to just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I know it. I know that I I grew up. I'm a sinner. It's not a shock. I understand that. I, I acknowledge it. And there's no way I'm going to get to heaven based upon my own merit. There's no way. I can argue and I can, I can throw out points just simply to argue with people, but I know and, and God, you know that I know I'm not good enough. But today, I recognize my inadequacy to save myself. I come before you, God, and I acknowledge that you sent your son to die on a cross for me, Jesus Christ. And the blood that he shed on the cross, he shed on the cross for me. Then he rose again from the dead. Death was not the final chapter. He rose again. He defeated death. No longer does death have victory or a sting. But now... Lord, I want to become a Christian. I want to follow you. I want to confess my sin, my life before you. I want to acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to acknowledge you as God in human flesh, on a cross, in a grave, and then risen again for me. You did it for me, and it's the only way that I can get to heaven, and I acknowledge that today. Come into my heart and be my personal Lord, my Savior, my God, my King, my friend. Show me the way from this day forward. How to walk. I want to walk with you for the rest of my days. Show me when I open up the Bible and I begin to read what your word says. Help it to come to life to me. The Bible is always read black and white to me. I've just not really ever understood it. But now, Lord, open my eyes to see the color of the Bible. I give my life to you from this day forward. Thankfully, gratefully, because you died for me and you gave me new life. Thank you. 
And now I'll have eternal life because of you. If that's you that's prayed that prayer, listen. God's just looking for willing hearts, open hearts. If your heart was willing and open and you prayed that today, the Lord came into your heart. For the rest of us, Lord, thank you, Lord, for just reminding us what needs to be the majors and what needs to be the minors. Help us to go about our business of being faithful in the great commandment, the great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we do this because of you and our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we do this. And all the believers said, Amen. Amen.